And so today, I would like to talk about, in a way, a different style of meditation, you could say. So in a way, when you practice meditation in terms of the technical aspect, in terms of the anchoring, in terms of the looking deeply, you can cultivate things in different ways. For example, you can cultivate mindfulness directly or indirectly. When I was practicing meditation in Korea, where at the time they did not talk at all about mindfulness, and what we did was just to ask a question. What is it? And actually doing that practice, I became aware very quickly. And I became compassionate also very quickly. I was quite surprised the effect of the practice itself. And so in a way we can cultivate something directly or we can cultivate something indirectly. And so there are many different methods. And so one of the methods which the Buddha advocated, suggested, is to cultivate the four qualities. Quality of loving kindness, quality of compassion, of rejoicing, of equanimity. And then the technique is a little bit different, but personally I would again look at uh, cultivating the quality again through the prism of anchoring and looking deeply. So that so generally for that kind of practice, it's nearly like uh, it's not cultivating mindfulness directly but it's cultivating a certain quality directly. But we have to be careful, this is not the only way to cultivate that quality. We can also uh, cultivate that quality indirectly through mindfulness meditation or other type of meditation. So when you do this practice with Zen, what is interesting, uh, this practice uh, of the four qualities the Buddha saw each quality as an antidote to something. So in a way, for example, he saw compassion as an antidote to cruelty. <coughs> he saw the one I'm going to suggest today, uh, appreciative joy, altruistic joy, as an antidote to envy. So, and then he saw loving kindness as an antidote to ill will. So in a way, you have these two aspects to this practice is that you're actually cultivating a certain intention. So in a way you bring this into your life and say, oh, this is important. I value this. But we're not creating the quality out of nothing. We have the quality already. We have the capacity to manifest loving kindness, compassion, rejoicing, equanimity. But actually... That's one of the power of intention. When we kind of focus on something, when we bring our attention to something, in a way it exists more and we can develop it more. So I think that's what this cultivating this quality is about. But we have to be careful that this practice of cultivating this quality does not mean we have to be loving, kind all the time, 
compassionate all the time, rejoicing all the time, being equanimous all the time to the same degree. It's like it's a medicine, but you you don't use a medicine for stomachache, for headache. Generally, it's not the same thing. Medicine for flu and medicine for uh, a sprain is a different medicine. So I think we have to be careful that the quality are kind of different intention, different capacity that we can cultivate at different time and which will develop. But then it's not uh, so that we experience them all the time or we cultivate them all the time to the same degree. We have to be careful there because there's such beautiful quality. Sometimes we can become a little idealistic with them. You know, if only I could be compassionate all the time, if only I could be equanimous all the time. I don't think it's possible because things are conditioned and change. But we can aim toward cultivating those qualities so that they benefit ourselves and they benefit others. So generally, uh, with this practice, you use sentences. You use certain sentences, and then you use them as an anchor. But one thing I, I like to say, and then I explain uh, what I would like to suggest today, is that using the sentences, I mean, the one of the most common one, is what I call uh, people, call meta, M-E-T-T-A, what I would call the shortcut version of cultivating the three qualities, the qualities of four. Because it's, may I be happy, may you be happy, may I be at peace, may you be at peace, may I be free from suffering, may you be free from suffering. So and that generally is known as a metaphrase. Actually, it's kind of like, in it, you have uh, the compassion phrase, the metaphrase, and you also have the equanimous phrase. So it's kind of, I would say the shortcut version of cultivating the qualities. But each of them generally have specific uh, sentences, phrases, and again, you can change them according to what works for them, works for you. But it is also true that some people, it does not work for them whatsoever to use sentences for different reasons. Some find it artificial, some find it provokes more thought. So then I will suggest different way again to cultivate the quality. So the one I like to talk about today and suggest, unless, of course, today you can cultivate something else. If you want to cultivate uh, loving kindness or equanimity, please feel free to do so. Personally, I, uh, I'm quite keen on what is called mudita, M-U-D-I-T-A, which I would like to look at two aspects in terms of appreciative joy or altruistic joy. Because often it's a little kind of, you know, seen as a sideline uh, to the main one, which is generally the loving kindness. And I find that interesting, the mudita, because I think mudita helps us actually to experience more pleasant feeling tone. But pleasant feeling tone, which does not lead to grasping, 
but which really help us to be uplifted, but also help us to be connected. I think that's kind of uh, par on something which is interesting with this practice. So the phrases I would suggest, and uh, you will find them on the board, and they're not like the phrases, the traditional phrases, uh, because personally I like to bring a little more of an experiential inquiry aspect when cultivating this quality. So the phrases have verb, then they have a pronoun, then they have uh, object, and then you can play a little around with them if you want to change them. So the first one, appreciating my effort, these efforts, your efforts. And so here, what I'm looking at, so when you do this practice, for the one who are not totally familiar with them, is you start with yourself, then you bring people in the room, either by bringing the image of the person or bringing the name of the person. Then you go to bring everything that is alive outside this room, the tree, the animal, the people. Then generally you bring the category of people you like, who support you, people you feel little indifferent to, people you have little difficulty with. Please, in that last category, do not choose a person you have the most difficulty with. Especially do not choose certain political people which you have strong reaction to. So we start small, something you have a little difficulty with, which will make it so that you don't proliferate with it. So appreciating my, this, your effort. And so first to look a little at the pronoun, you can say my effort because it's yours and nobody else. But you can use this effort to make it less personal less I, me, mine, and you can check does it make a difference or not if I use my or if I use this. And then you we consider other people. And personally, this is something I find that often we equate effort with effect. So if we don't have the effect, we generally decide we did not put in the effort or they did not put it in the effort. Because if you had tried hard enough, you would have the effect. But personally, I would say not necessarily so. You can try so hard, and for whatever reason, the effect might not be there. But it doesn't mean you did not try hard. And so personally, I think it's very important to appreciate that at any given moment, we try the best we can within the situation. And this is what you might have experienced during this retreat. Sometimes it looks like you put all this effort and you feel bright and clear. And other time you put the same effort and you feel vague and agitated. But both are effort to be appreciated. So to me this is something really important to appreciate my effort, this effort, right now. And not comparing it to my expectation of what this effort should achieve. 
And then to really be more in tune with the fact that we try with very good intention. And it's the same with others. I think this helps us to look at people's efforts in a different way. Because we have different things. If there is no effect, they did not try hard enough. Or we have the other attitude, well, I can do it. Why can't they, you know? I mean, why can't they? Because they have different conditions. They have different situations, different capacity. So we have, it's true at one level, we are equal. But at another level, according to condition, we could be very different. So at times, it will be very easy for us and very difficult for somebody else to do exactly the same thing. I was reading um, an article about uh, depression, and in a way, uh, people often say to uh, people who are depressed, try harder, you know. know, know, It's been proven that if you do kind of exercise, it will be good for you, you know. Go and do exercise. But if the person can barely get up from the bed, just to get up from the bed, just to wash, is already kind of the heroic that they can manage to do that. So, you know, we have to, to, to be careful. You know, the effort are generally adapted to the condition. So to me, this is really this altruistic joy, appreciation, appreciation, appreciating your effort. Again, they're trying the best they can within their capacity. And this sometimes you can even, you could nearly say, apply it to the past. That often you might find yourself sitting in meditation wondering, ah, but if only at that time I had done this, I had done that, it would have been so different, and if only they had done this, they had done that. But personally, I think a lot of the time, in the past, you did the best you could within the situation. And now you could do it differently. But now is now. It's not then. You don't know now what you know now. You did not know then what you know now. You don't have the same energy, the same different things that you have now. So can we, in a way, accept at that time I did the best I could. And now, of course, I would try in this moment to do something different if this happened now, so that we can learn from that, appreciating also our effort in the past. Then you have the second one, rejoicing. And then, again, you have the mind, this, your. And then you have more possibilities. And they're a little by uh, kind of, uh, you could say, difficulty. Because again, I bring a little experiential inquiry within it. So the first one is rejoicing uh, in my happiness. And this is more like kind of like nearly as a mindful exercise, recognizing, oh, right now, I am okay. So you could rejoice in your peace, in your happiness, in your clarity in your understanding. So, in a way, rejoicing in our capacity. 
I'm really kind of seeing it, knowing it, see and know what has arisen. And just know how I am right now. I am at peace, I'm clear, I'm happy, I'm joyful. Because, like all things, it's not going to last. At some point it goes. And when it goes, and we might have then misunderstanding, confusion, agitation, we're not stuck. Because we know, I am not just that all the time, but I have moments where I am different. And I think this is a very important fact. I have a friend who can have difficult, intense period. And the meditation really has helped her with knowing Although it's really intense now, at some point, it will pass. So that he kind of makes it less fixed, less solid. And then he gives her a little more patience to kind of like be with it and help herself while it happens. And then when it stops, she can ah, really recognize, oh yeah, now it's finished, it's done. You can also rejoice in your success, which generally you have no problem with that. Uh, what is more difficult is rejoicing in other people's success, or other people's understanding, or other people's happiness. I mean, if we rejoice in their happiness, understanding, and success, I mean, it would make us happy too. It would be kind of, you know, double. But what do we do when somebody comes with a good piece of news? They come and say, look, this happened to me, this is great. And generally, often you say, but what about this? What about that? And then, poof, the balloon of happiness is deflated. Why do we do this? Because generally, we point to the future. But right now, they're happy. I think that's what is important is now. What will happen later, we will see. But can we be happy with others? Can we see that their happiness, their understanding, their success doesn't take anything away from us? But I, mean, I have the impression that we think happiness, understanding, success is only like this square. And if somebody gets a quarter of the square, then I am not going to get that, or any of it, like it's taking away something from us. It does not. There is no limit to it. And there is, in a way, different type of success. Because nowadays, I know a lot of the, the success seems to, uh, this is something uh, that actually Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these apps, they totally understand Vedana, but they're not Buddhist. <laughs> but they just totally work on Vedana, like this. Say pleasant Vedana, like that, unpleasant Vedana. They're just basically measuring Vedana. And then our Vedana depends on other people's Vedana. When they see our photo, our Facebook, our Twitter. I mean, that's basically the principle of a lot of this app. 
And so, you know, you kind of check your Instagram. Oh, my God. Yeah, 30. <gasps> he got 50. <laughs> you know? And because he got 50, your 30 are not as good. Interesting. And you could be happy that at least 30 people like your picture. Personally, I, I put things on Instagram and I like to play with Vedanas of people. So I put things I really like, but I know people are not going to like it very much. And then I want to confirm if my intuition was right. Then some I know they're going, to be, they're going to like, and I like to also. So it's very interesting to see how Vedana were, what I would call also social Vedana, how groups of people like similar things. Very interesting. Then you have the last one, which is being grateful. For miles is your existence. And this is just to recognize, as we have mentioned already, our life rests upon a single breath. Life is a mystery. You know, we, I mean, you can explain it in many different ways, but we are born. It's a mystery that we have this life, we have this potential. And so in a way, can we try? We don't know why we're here, but can we appreciate, can we be grateful for this existence? To me, that's why I recently I was at this uh, conference I organized, and uh, we had uh, some uh, wonderful person uh, who is from the Goinka tradition, and uh, he was giving us this amazing speech where he was connected Vedana to the universe to the atoms of the universe. So it was this amazing talk, like you felt like, wow, you know. He was talking about atoms and things, and so you had this kind of like, amazing view of life. And I think sometimes there is a beauty in science, in kind of seeing how it's amazing it is to be alive. And can, what can we do with that? Can we be grateful? for that existence. And then I put potential in, uh, being grateful for one's potential, because sometimes we might not be in the mood to appreciate our existence. And in the difficult category, we might not appreciate the existence of the person who is difficult. But at least we can be grateful for their potential for change. <laughs> so, so this is a way I would uh, recommend to do this so you can uh, use the same verb and so you can do it I mean I'll do a guided meditation this afternoon but the way I would recommend is one you can just use the sentences so you repeat the sentences appreciating my efforts uh, rejoicing in my understanding, being grateful for my existence, and you can play a little bit with appreciating this effort, rejoicing in this understanding, being grateful for this existence, then appreciating your efforts through the different category. If it works for you, because for some people this is a really good way to anchor. Because as you recite the sentences, that it really, in a way, you could say, occupy the mind in a wholesome way. 
So for some people, this really works. For some people, it really doesn't work at all to recite the sentences silently, inwardly. And then for these people, I would recommend two other ways. One way is to connect with the experience. So to kind of continue in a way with the mindfulness, but with this appreciation uh, flavoring. And then to ask yourself, what is it I can appreciate right now? What is it can I rejoice in right now? What is it I can be grateful for right now? So just going into the experience of that. And it's a bit similar to what Thich Nhat Hanh does when he encourages you to be grateful, to be able to see, to taste, to smell, etc., etc. Or you can connect it to the quality. And then it works more as kind of the level of evocation. You could say that, how does it feel when I appreciate something? So connecting to the quality. How does it feel when I rejoice? How does it feel when I feel grateful? So in a way, connected to that quality. So that's what I would uh, suggest to do today. But again, if you find it complicated or whatever, you can always come back to the mindfulness of the breath, of the body, and of the sound. Is this relatively clear? Or? Okay, so let's stand and try to do it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.